You're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you featuring author speaker and minister Michael Nimmons. Hello and welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemens. Then you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Wanna wanna wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and thank you for tuning in to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. In this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, we're going to be sharing with you an interview with my good friend, uh, uh, Jakar Amory, who is a new Detroit news reporter. Uh, he is a, a speaker, uh, an a activist, a minister, and now a journalist, and also a graduate of Michigan State University as well. We're calling this episode Iron Sharpens Iron. Um... Uh, anytime I'm asked to speak about myself, uh, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat of a tale of two cities. Mm. Um, spending William most of my life, yeah, uh, and you know, I've uh, I, I've just been a little bit of here and a little bit of there. Spending a lot of time in the city of Lansing, and then relocating to the city of Detroit um, in the later years of my life. And I think that having the experience of living in both areas afforded me. His goodness during rough times, then you can truly see him for who he is. He's more than a provider, he's a sustainer. He's more than a conqueror, he's a keeper. He's more than a healer, he's a deliverer. He's more than a protector, he's a redeemer. And for all of these reasons and a million more, I'm thankful. Hello and welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemens. Then you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Want to wi- wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and thank you for tuning in to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're coming to you this Saturday, uh, a few days after Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful holiday. I'm still enjoying mine, getting some rest and relaxation, but we wanted to put a new show out this week uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving uh, so that 
you have something good to listen to in addition to all of the Thanksgiving festivities I'm sure you have been involved in um, <clears throat> we have a great show in store for you before we even jump into that man uh, this just been a great past few days uh, again this is uh, we're putting this show out on Saturday and uh, a lot of things been happening uh, today of course uh, particularly in the football arena college football of course we've been watching uh, some of the games that have happened this week uh, this this Saturday uh, with um, U of M and and, uh, <clears throat> and Ohio State and it looks like uh, U of M is going to their first Big Ten championship game in, uh, what, 20 years? <laughs> uh, they've beaten Ohio State for the first time in uh, Jim Harbaugh's 10 years coach of U of M. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a throttle. I mean, they, 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 uh, they did their thing. I mean, hey, um, you know, they gave Ohio State definitely a run for the money. I think the score was somewhere around 42 to 27, or somewhere around there, 41 or 42 to 27. So uh, they'll be playing Iowa in, uh, next week in the Big Ten Championship game. And uh, before the recording of this week's episode, we were watching the tail end of the Iron Bowl, uh, Alabama versus Auburn, a game that went into four overtimes, believe it or not, and a game that they said in 85 uh, seasons have has never played uh, one overtime. It went into four overtimes in this edition of uh, the Iron Bowl, uh, Alabama versus Auburn. And... Uh, Alabama, I tell you, man, it was it was a nail biter for them. Uh, I can see uh, the, the I think Nick Saban lost a few more hairs on the top of his head, <laughs> but uh, but Bryce Young had a Heisman moment and uh, ended up uh, pulling it pulling it out in the fourth overtime, uh, where uh, in, in that particular iteration, uh, it's two point conversions that they have to play for, and uh, uh, Auburn missed their two point conversion. Uh, and Alabama got theirs, and that ended the game uh, for them. So the score was 24-22 Alabama. And so they'll be playing Georgia in the SEC championship game, and uh, that will be this weekend. So uh, it's a lot of parity going on in college football. It uh, looked like Alabama was going to be out of the college football playoff conversation if they lost. Uh, but um, – now, Ohio State is definitely out of the college football playoff conversation. Uh, they'll probably drop to uh, six or seven. They might not punish them that much because it was a, still a top five matchup that they lost uh, in. <clears throat> and um, Michigan is playing for their first Big Ten title. And Michigan State, of course, go Spartans. Uh, they uh, went up against Penn State in East Lansing, and uh, they ended up winning that game. Ten, and, uh, so they're now ten and two. The score was thirty-three to thirty. Mel Tucker ended the season ten and two, and uh, it was an interesting game because they were not only playing against each other, but they were also playing against. The 
the elements. They were in the middle of a blizzard. It, it, I mean, the ball was hard to pass, and it was hard to run uh, as well. The field was covered in snow. So it was a very interesting uh, couple of games that we watched today, uh, you know, as we were enjoying the, the Thanksgiving holiday and watching college football on this Saturday before we recorded this episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. But, guys, again, you know, I'm a, a avid college football fan, love football. Just wanted to update you on that, those that are interested. And so Michigan State and Ohio State are both looking to uh, play in the New Year's Six Bowl. Michigan is playing for a Big Ten title and a possible college football playoff berth. Uh, so we'll see how, all, uh, how everything shakes out this coming weekend. Uh, if Michigan beats Iowa, then they'll lock for the college football playoff. Uh, Michigan State and Ohio State both are looking again to play in one of the New Year's Six Bowls. Bowls, the Rose Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, Peach Bowl, uh, Peach Capital Capital One Bowl, I believe. Uh, those are the uh, Capital One Bowl. Um, I'm missing. I'm missing a couple of them. Uh, but nevertheless, those are the bigger bowls that uh, we're looking to uh, have an opportunity to play in, just depending on how things shake out. I personally think Ohio State will probably get the Rose Bowl bid, first of all, all because they beat us uh, head-to-head, and uh, and then they only have one loss in the Big Ten. So they're the next man up. Michigan is at the top of the Big Ten East, and uh, ultimately – will again be playing for a Big Ten title. OSU is right underneath them beating us and then we're third place uh, in this um, this season. So uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see where we will end up. But again, shouts out to Mel Tucker and the entire Spartan football team for an amazing uh, 2021 football season. Uh, they, those guys did a phenomenal job given the set of circumstances and the hand that they were dealt. Uh, shouts out again to uh, running back Kenneth Walker. Uh, still my top of my, on, on the top of my Heisman candidate list. And uh, shouts out to Elijah Connor Collins, not Connor Connor Collins. Elijah Collins, who had a couple runs uh, in uh, in this uh, Saturday's game against Penn State. Uh, again, we interviewed him in last week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you missed it, you can always go back and listen to that episode. So, uh, great young man, good head on the shoulders, got a bright future ahead of him as well. Looking forward to what uh, he has coming up uh, uh, in the in the years to come as a football player. Uh, again, you can check it out, uh, our interview with uh, running back Elijah Collins for the Michigan State Spartans, available everywhere you listen to your podcast, including michaelnemons.com. In this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, we're going to be sharing with you an interview with my good friend, uh, uh, Jakar Amory, who is a new Detroit news reporter. Uh, he is a, a speaker, uh, an a activist, a minister, and now a journalist, and also a graduate of Michigan State University as well. We're calling this episode Iron Sharpens Iron, because uh, we're two brothers of like passion uh, doing some great things. And I always like to interview people that are 
you know, doing great things. And he just recently was hired in by the Detroit News after graduating from Michigan State with a degree in communications and journalism. Uh, and uh, I think that was awesome. And we had a great conversation talking not just about his uh, his career and his um, well his his new career as a journalist, but also a few topics uh, related to politics uh, and the church, voting, and a few other uh, uh, interesting uh, subtopics as well. So this is an interview, guys. You don't want to miss. We're going to be sharing with, sharing it with you in just a little bit. In addition to our interview with journalist, speaker, and minister Jakar Amory of the Detroit News, we have a dynamic thought of the week entitled, I'm Thankful. And there's so much to be thankful for uh, this past year. So much we have gone through. So much many of you have experienced. We want to take time during this week's thought to reflect upon some of those things. I can't wait to share this thought of the week with you at the end of this week's show. Remember, guys, if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner and you are looking to promote your business and services on a platform that is growing and continuing to grow, uh, I, you, you don't need to look any further than the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. This platform is continuing to grow each and every week and every month. Uh, and podcasts, as we say all the time, is a growing platform, uh, not just with the Thinking Out Loud radio show, but in general, uh, again, podcasts are global and uh, your business and service will be in front of a global audience. And so there's no better way, no better opportunity, I think, than to uh, advertise and promote your business right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you're interested in taking advantage of this offer, you can DM us on any of our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at TOL radio host MSN or on Facebook on our Facebook thinking out loud radio and TV show uh, Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud HQ thinking out loud HQ we're looking forward to partnering with you to share your business and your service across the world wide web well, guys, we're getting ready to take a break. But when we come back, we're getting right into my interview with journalist, speaker and minister Jakar Amy of the Detroit News. You don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Are you looking for a better educational alternative for your child? One that'll help your child advance socially and academically? Your search is over. Welcome, Welcome to, to Redford, Redford Service, Service Learning Academy. Academy. We proudly offer small classroom sizes. As well as student-centered achievement and academic programs taught by experienced and caring teachers. Various after-school programs including sports, access to technology, and free transportation. Free lunch and breakfast for all students. Simply visit our website or give us a call for more information. Your child's future begins today. Refined. 
rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you... Who Told You That You Were Naked is a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Emmy Award winning journalist, Jimmy O'Hill. And to ask ourselves, how is it? that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time. Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they could say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed in our that's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It's my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it. He talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the thinking out loud radio show Demiree Graphics in need of a logo design for your business then check out Demiree Graphics need flyers business cards t-shirts or website for your business then check out Demiree Graphics the people at Demiree Graphics will get you right for your next business venture they're professional creative courteous and they get the job done right every time check out the team at Demiree Graphics give them a call today at 734-219-5266 Demiree Graphics 
bringing your imagination to life. What is up, beautiful people? It's your girl, Lex Devine, in the building, kicking it with yours truly, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. All right, y'all, stay tuned. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. What's up, everybody? It's your man, Mike Nimmons, and we are back on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, a very special edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. I have a very special guest with me, uh, known him for a long time, can't wait to jump into this interview, but before we do, want to give him a proper introduction. Uh, as an emerging journalist, author, speaker, and activist, he uses his unique skills to inform communities uh, on issues that are pertinent to social engagement, the expansion of political insight, and the proclamation of thought at the intersection of spirit and scholarship. He earned his Bachelor's of Arts in Journalism and Sociology from Michigan State University. Go Spartans! That's right, go green and white. Uh, During his time at MSU, he worked as an undergraduate researcher where he explored and identified existing barriers to student access and established policies, procedures, and practices to integrate the existing opportunity gaps between white and minority student populations. Additionally, he matriculated at Enon Bible College in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, as a minister where he received his ministerial license uh, through the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. He's also served in leadership positions and has held general memberships with organizations such as the National Association of Black Journalists, the National Black Public Relations Society, and the NAACP. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome to a good friend of ours, new friend of the show, journalist, author, speaker, activist, and minister, my good friend, Jakar Amory. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. What's going on, Reverend Lewis? I am very much welcome and I'm very excited to be here with you. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your so busy schedule to invite little people like me <laughs> to come and join you in conversation. Uh, it's, it's always good, as you mentioned, man. We, we've known each other for a long time. We, I, we've known each other before all this other stuff. Right, right. Uh, so uh, uh, it's, it's always good when we have the opportunity to sit down and, and chop it up. Very glad to be very here. Very excited Absolutely. to have you. As a part of it, one thing you didn't include, man, you got a, a new job. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But uh, but but right out the gate, Jakar, tell our listeners about more about yourself. Well, I sort of like to preface um, anytime I'm asked to speak about myself. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat of a tale of two cities. Mm. Um, spending most of my life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've... Uh, I've just been a little bit of here and a little bit of there, spending a lot of time in the city of Lansing and then relocating to the city of Detroit um, in the later years of my life. And I think that having the experience of living in both areas afforded me, um, I think, I think it, 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 it allowed me to see life outside of my own context 
It allowed me the opportunity to view the experiences of others through their lens. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's one thing for you to be restricted to one specific area. All you're going to know is that demographic. All you're going to know is uh, the way in which things move in that city. But when you expand and you go elsewhere, someone like yourself, um, when you spend a lot of time in East Lansing and other parts of the state of Michigan, um, in addition to the city of Detroit. So I, I like to preface that I'm a tale of two cities. Um, I am, as you mentioned, um, a speaker, preacher, journalist, and uh, uh, I'm all for doing the work, man. Um, this is, these are things that I'm passionate about. Uh, there is most definitely a need for it. And I think when you're called, you have to answer. You have to respond. Uh, lest you be judged and punished for it. Uh, we we always use we always we always use the 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 phrase if you don't use it you'll lose it. Mm. Now I don't know if that's Bible. Uh, I haven't found it yet. What I did find, uh, particularly when Jesus was telling the parables of the talents, if you don't use it, you'll be judged for it. So you better use it uh, when it's assigned to you and use it to the best of your ability. So that's, that, that's a, just, just a little bit about me, man. Um, I'm, I'm just a nobody trying to help somebody. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a nobody uh, trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Come on somebody, <laughs> you know? Uh, so that's, that's, that's what I do. And recently I've been afforded the opportunity to um, sort of catapult, that very assignment at the Detroit news. I'm currently mm. a web producer and um, my journalism career in its entirety has primarily been attributed to writing about the topics of identity, particularly the intersections of race, religion, culture, uh, gender relations, sexuality, so on and so forth. Um, with my background in sociology, um, I have sort of coupled journalism with academic research. The thing about academics, man, uh, generally academics research and write for academics. Mm -hmm. Nobody's reading academic articles except those who are matriculating through the academy. Mm -hmm. um, and so where I come in to play is sort of bringing both worlds together, taking research and sort of juxtaposing it in a manner that is palatable and comprehensive for the general public so that they can read to figure out what's going on, to figure out what the scholars and, and, and the experts on said subjects, uh, what they're talking about, what their perspectives are. So mm. that's just a little bit what I do. Wow. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, as I'm listening to, listening to you talk, guys, um, you know, I'm thinking about, as, as Jakar alluded to, we've known each other a long time. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I should have started the, the introduction this way. You know, people usually, uh, say this about me. Um, I've known this young man all my life, or I've known this young man since he was a little, a little tight. Uh, but, um, I've known Jakar, uh, since he was a younger man. Uh, he's a young man still. And, um, uh, you know, I, you, you can always see, potential in uh in people and when i was at michigan state university go spartans um i was at uh, uh greater bible way temple in jackson michigan where uh jakar 
uh, was a member there and I was there as um, uh, my watch church while I was in school at Michigan State. And um, I remember remember seeing Jakar. He was a young man up and coming there. And um, and then when I left and graduated in 98, going on to do things back in Detroit and later on he came uh came to Detroit and I saw him first of all he had grown to (laughs) leaps and bounds and I was like wow man I I almost didn't recognize him but uh you know I I again I remember then and I see him now and just proud of um the things that he's been able to accomplish and uh the man that he has become and again, when I heard that he had, uh, was now a journalist with the Detroit News, I said, man, you, you got to be on the show officially, even though, uh, you, you did stop by our, one of our lives on the after show, <clears throat> that the, the time that we interviewed Martin Luther King III, which was a great yes. uh, opportunity for us, but then also chopping it up with you about, uh, the, the interview and, and questions that you had, which was great as well. So. Um, just godly proud of you, man. Again, very happy to have you on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Now, uh, you are with the Detroit News. I want to ask you, why journalism? You know, what 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 about journalism, uh, you know, is in it sparks your interest and and um and what what are your plans with journalism uh as you've started uh your new career at the Detroit News? Well, I think that journalism, in my estimation, uh, is a tool. I think it is a utility and it is another platform to get a particular message out, to meet a specific end. Mm. Um, you know, uh, you and I both share the identity as a preacher, but we are, we also understand that a pulpit is similarly a, a tool and a platform, uh, to get out a particular message or to meet a specific end. Mm. And I think journalism likewise in the same fashion sort of contributes to this notion, contributes to this assignment. Um, in addition, I think it was James Baldwin who said, we write to change the world um, ultimately because literature is indispensable. And after we're long gone, our words will still remain particularly those that were written down. You have, you have word of mouth sort of missives that are passed on from generation to generation. But when you can make the word become flesh mm. and, and put things down on paper um, and make it accessible to broad and general audiences, I think that's, that's, it's, it's a required task, uh, particularly for people who are called to this mission. Um, I sort of like to play with folks every now and then, uh, when we talk about, and and when I go back and forth with, you know, preacher cohorts, I say, uh, it is very much so possible that the authors of both the Old and New Testament could have been journalists in one sense or the other. Mm -hmm. The fact that not only were they chroniclers of the current and existential events of their time, but they also conducted interviews. They also have direct quotes. Um, and we still have it to this day, right? Eons and, and centuries later, we're still reading 
words that were written by folks who had to put it down on paper. And so that's just something that I think that I, I, I've, I've always been a fan of literature. I've always been a fan of um, articles and, and, and trying to get as much information as much as possible. And I think very simply, journalism is another way to do just that. Mm. Wow. I know you guys are enjoying my interview with uh, activist, speaker, journalist, and minister, my good friend, Jakar Amory. He's with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. And um, I, I, as I'm listening, again, I think we're, we're cut from the same cloth in many respects because I love literature as well, uh, love reading, uh, and uh, enjoy the written word. And I enjoy writing as well. Uh, you know, have a couple books that I've, that I've, uh, that I've written, uh, as well. But I love the written word. I love the spoken word. Um, and I agree that, um, you know, uh, that, that those authors in the Bible that God used to, to script his word, um, could in some respects be viewed as journalists. Uh, and because, you know, they are, um, uh, you know, they have to have the ability to write and to scribe Absolutely. and to Absolutely. be descriptive about their environment and and to um, capture uh, the words that God had given them to share in his book we call the Bible. So, yes, I do agree with you. And um, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing. And, and I enjoy talking to journalists, uh, particularly uh, for the podcast, because you can cover a number of different subject matter and topics. I've uh, spoken to journalists like Jamel Hill, Rochelle Riley, Carolyn Clifford, uh, just to name a few. And I've enjoyed the conversations with them, being able to talk not just about their careers, but also talk about politics, talk about race, talk about religion, because I think their perspectives uh, about those topics are important. Uh, they're researching those things every day and they're putting them in the forefront of the news for us to, to see every day. And, um, and so when I heard that you, uh, were with the Detroit news again, very, very proud of that. And, um, and just, you know, knowing the kind of uh, person you are, uh, really, uh, interested in what you would, what you're going to become as a journalist. Uh, and, and I know that this is just, uh, uh, you know, the beginning for you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I do. Uh, you, you, you named some, some heavy hitters, man, Carolyn Clifford and Jamel Hill and Rochelle Riley. I mean, these are people whose work, Right. You see my existence. I mean, they, 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 they good. They're good at what they do. They're, they are good at what they do. Um, they're excellent. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, as, as both an avid reader and a writer, when you're a kid, you're given books with, I mean, books full of pictures and very little, if, any words at all. Mm. Then as you get a little older and you become an adult, you have books oftentimes with very few pictures and a whole bunch of words. Wow. So it completely flips as a kid. You can visually see without ever having to read. 
one word and you can make a truth out of it based upon what you see. Um, in contrast, when you become an adult, you read these books and they have very few pictures. You then have to see based upon the words and the language that is being used in the piece. Um, and I think that I think that is probably that is probably one of the most powerful things about um, both reading and writing. Two skills that are very sacred to the Black American experience, considering the historical context in which we sit with in this country. Um, the skill of reading and writing, uh, it's 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 mind blowing to me, man. When you can pick up a book or you can read an article. And you can actually see exactly what the writer sees, almost as if you were there with them. Mm. And I think a continuation of the quote that I mentioned earlier about Baldwin with respect to writing to change the world, he says, if you can change how people see the world just a millimeter, then ultimately you have done something. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but if I can get you to see what I see, I've done my job and, I've, and, and, and I'm using words. I'm not using pictures. Mm. I'm using words alone. Mm-hmm. So words have power. Um, words have meaning. And I think that ultimately uh, when you got a wordsmith like yourself, <laughs> get out of here. By the way, I need you all. I'm going to take over your show for five seconds. I need you all to support <laughs> Mike Nimmons and all of his works. I mean, this guy is a writer par excellence. I, I, I have a few of your books, man. And uh, uh, you've even signed them for me. So I know that, you know, they, they may be of value someday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I genuinely appreciate, um, on a serious note, I appreciate even the writing that you have done um, because I've been able to see, especially who told you you were naked. Uh, great piece. Great, great piece, man. And um, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on, but I, 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 I think very simply, uh, reading and writing is, is, it's not just a skill, um, it's a luxury. And it's something that's very sacred, again, especially to Black folks and, and descendants of uh, formerly enslaved Africans. I totally agree with you. And again, I think we're cut from the same cloth. We're calling this, uh, this edition this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Iron Sharpens Iron, uh, because uh, I think we can grow and 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 sharpen each other uh, through conversations like this. And uh, that's why I enjoy uh, not just talking to uh, journalists, but talking to, um, you know, people of like passion like yourself, uh, both, again, ministers, uh, and I consider myself a... Um, uh, de facto journalist uh, to some degree with this podcast because we've been doing this four years and um, we've used some journalistic uh, uh, skills uh, to put this together. So again, I think we're cut from the same cloth, but I know you guys are enjoying my interview with this uh, great speaker, activist, journalist, and minister, my good friend, Jakar Amory, uh, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break, guys. This is Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. We'll be right back. You- 
You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Global advocate, Martin Luther King III. So I, I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years, theoretically, could cause, of have caused people to, to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. The people have spoken. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. And again, I know you're enjoying my interview with speaker, activist, journalist, and minister, my good friend, Jakar Amy, with us on this week's edition. We're calling it the Iron Sharpens Iron edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. He and I are good friends and very, very proud of him and happy that he's with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And uh, in the first uh, first segment, we talked about his career. We talked um, you know, uh, about, uh, his new job at the Detroit News as a journalist. Very again, proud of him, but we're going to transition and shift gears a bit, um, and, and kind of jump into, 
some some topics because that's one thing again I love about talking to journalists because of their depth and breadth of research that they do on a regular. Uh, we're able to cover a, a number of different things, and so in this segment, I I, I want to know, you know, I've I've had the pleasure and privilege uh, as a podcast host to interview, you know, some very influential individuals, uh, and um, you know, you're a minister, I'm a minister. I've had the opportunity to interview several ministers on our podcast, including intellectual luminary. Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III, man, I, I, I was just blown away to ever be able to have the opportunity to do uh, a series with him we call Church and Politics. And uh, he believes that the church is the place where politics does intersect, uh, that Jesus was a social activist, a revolutionary, a, rab- a rabble rouser, that he was not just concerned about our internal souls, but also our physical, mental, social, and even political well-being. I want to know, Jakar, do you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% believe that when you look at the nature of Jesus, uh, the words that he used, the positions that he took, and ultimately the people um, that he associated with, the people that he preached about, uh, he was very much political in his application of spirit, um, both in the natural and, of course, in the spirit. He was very much so political. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I was having a conversation with a preacher not long ago, and uh, we came across a scripture that said something about a publican, and it was condemning them and I said well you know that's that's they they should have wrote republican no I'm just kidding but I think that uh, I think I think that uh again when you look at the teachings of Jesus uh he was very much very very much concerned about people um from a political standpoint uh, from a political vantage point I think that if we were to contemporize his positioning uh he, in my estimation, he he was not a conservative. Mm. He could not have been because he, he he could not have been a conservative. Indeed, and in fact, if he were a conservative, he would have never went to the cross. He was always up against the status quo. He was he was no doubt a revolutionary, as you as you named. Uh, he Jesus was never for the rich getting richer at the expense of the poor getting poor. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus cared about poor people. He cared about disenfranchised people. He cared about people who did not have it on a silver platter. And again, when you look at his teachings and when you look at the prayers that he prayed, they were indeed more socially driven than they were capitalistically driven. Uh, you know, folks will say, well, socialism is evil. And I'm sure that because anything that involves the human touch is going to be frail and is going to need improvement over time. That's any and everything. I mean, we're all subject to the human condition of imperfection. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I'll give you that. If you want to argue that socialism is evil, fine. But if you juxtapose socialism to capitalism with Jesus and his teachings at the center, then you'll find that he was probably more social than he was 
he was probably more of a socialist than he was a capitalist. I mean, even when you look at the Lord's Prayer or what we name as the Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer, actually. Um, but the language that he uses is very inclusive and it's very community driven, community oriented. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, right? Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. Lead us not into temptation, right? Uh, it is never my Father who are in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive right. me of my debts. Uh, lead me not into temptation. No, he was very community driven and he was very community oriented, which socialism probably aligns more with that ideology versus capitalism. It's me, 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 me. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. forget you. If you don't get it, then you just don't get it. Right. I don't think Jesus was like that. And so Jesus was very political and politics and the church 100% intersect. What do you say? What do you say to uh, church purists who will, will, will try to, to say that politics does not have a place in the church? That, you know, I, I, we, I, you know, grew, both grew up in the church and, uh, we, we have, uh, pastors who welcomed politicians into the church to, uh, campaign and to, um, you know, uh, share their political views across the pulpit to the congregants. Um, but, that was not always welcomed by everyone. That was not always uh, something that, that people uh, readily accepted because it seemed like politicians only came around when it was time to run for office, but you couldn't find them when it was, when, you know, when they were actually supposed to be doing the work that they were elected to do. And so because of that, you find church purists who say that we shouldn't let them in period. What do you say to individuals who have, uh, you know, uh, or disagree with the church intersecting or politics intersecting with the church? Well, I think I think firstly, we have to when, when we name or when we characterize the church, I think that we have to be very specific about it um, and the way in which we or more so who is the church, right? Uh, mm. uh, how is the church broadly made up? So we can speak of the church broadly. Um, that would be inclusive of both those who are physically present in the church and then also the, also those who are spiritually um, connected or associated with the church, even separated by death, still a part of the church. I would argue that Paul in his absence is still a part of the church. So we can, we can go as far as to name the church in that regard. But I think if we're speaking specifically to um, an American context, even more specifically the black church uh, through which you and I have both come through um, as both preachers and students of the black Pentecostal tradition, when you consider the fact that, Black people have never had the luxury of separating church and state. We've never had the luxury of drawing a line of demarcation between what we believe from a godly, spiritual, biblical standpoint of view 
with or from what we believe should be made accessible to us with respect to freedom and liberty and justice. We've never had the luxury. Our spirit has always been tied to our politics. Mm, our God that's a great point. Um, have, has always been tied to our politics. Uh, and one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is the way in which Black folk have used religion as a tool, religion broadly speaking, right? Uh, how, how Black folk have used religion as a tool, as a utility, as a mechanism um, to make sense of our suffering. We've always looked to a religious text of some sort or a deity of some sort to sort of help us comprehend with the suffering that we undergo and that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. Why am I going through this? Why do I have to deal with this, right? And when you narrow it down to the Black church experience, the Black experience, the Black American experience, uh, we've always looked to stories and narratives like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And we even named folks like the Reverend Dr. King as the Moses of our time or of that time. Um, So we have always used our church as a tool and as a utility to help us one, make sense of our suffering, but also help us get to justice. Uh, You know, the church of course is a space that should be given to uh, reverence and worship to God. But also it is a space through which we engage with community. It is a space through which we engage with life outside of the four walls. And that is both historically true and existentially true. I mean, during the civil rights era, which you are a scholar and a student of, they met in the church, not just to praise God, but to plan marches, to plan sit-ins. And so these are things without question that we have to sit with. The church 100% plays an active participation in politics, whether we like it or not. We just have to put our feet on the ground and do the work. I mean, there is an old African proverb that says, when you pray, move your feet. In other words, you cannot look to God alone um, as if you play no active participation in getting things done. I believe as it was said to me some time ago, God does more through us than he does for us. Mm. And, and if he has equipped us with the tools, the skills, and ultimately the access to accomplish a task, we're charged with doing just that. He said, watch and pray. I'm going to contemporize it. The watch is the voting. So, you can uh, you can pray, God, I let your will be done on earth, but you also better get to the polls and vote. Mm. Voting is biblical, mm. right? Um, the, the casting of lots is biblical, both in the Old Testament and the New. It's in the book of Proverbs, and it's also in the book of Acts, um, where they voted. Uh, so is that not political? Was Jesus not political when he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give God's? I mean... Th- so, so, so the language of politics may not explicitly be 
in the Bible, but the concept and the principle very much is there. So it's, it's, you, you can't separate the two, especially uh, black folk in America. And, and I totally agree with you in that assessment because I was just getting ready to use as a modern day example of the church and politics, the civil rights movement, because that is a perfect example of how the church became the headquarters for the civil rights movement during the 1960s. You, you, you talked about that, Dr. King and the uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference and uh, the civil rights movement used the church as their platform uh, and as their headquarters uh, to plan movements and marches uh, throughout the 1960s. And it is where the church and politics intersected because that's where black people uh, went on a regular basis. Every Sunday they were there. And so ministers uh, used those opportunities to not just preach to them about the gospel, but they also uh, used that platform to talk about uh, the real world problems that they were experiencing and how they could address them. Um, I have an appreciation, and you, I'm sure as well, for uh, ministers and preachers that not just preach about heaven and preach about uh, how to get there, but also uh, what do we need to do down here? Uh, you know, how can we make this, this, this world that we live in, this society that we live in a better place? That's why we reached out to people like Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III and, and Reverend Marcia L. Dyson and, and, uh, and, and individuals like that who are not just preaching a gospel, preaching the gospel, uh, uh, to, to save souls, but also, uh, they feel it's important to, uh, to, to equip their congregants with the tools they need to make it down here and in this world that we live in and to talk about um, uh, the economy, talk about politics, talk about uh, welfare, education, all of those things are just as important and uh, as their soul, not, not more important, but just as important, I think. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, uh, and deserve, um, you know, and deserve, uh, uh, addressing and deserve to be talked about and discussed. We can't just talk about heaven and how to get there, but then we leave, we leave people, we leave our congregation empty because no one is talking about where, uh, how, am, how, how am I going to, uh, you know, make it from day to day, you know, how am I going to get my next job or, or how am I going to get my rent paid or how am I going, who, who do I vote for? And, and, and those questions need to be addressed and answered as well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the scripture. Um, Let thy will be done on earth. Mm, as it, as is, in it is in heaven. So you cannot discount the physical for the ontological. You cannot say that the church should be strictly mystical in its preachment or in its development of its congregants. No, 
you have to ensure that they are, like you said, holistically equipped. Um, when you even consider the folks that Jesus had around him, they weren't just preachers. He had people who were very much, um, who were very much active and who are, who were uh, participants in society, which in one way or the other ties into politics. He had publicans on his team, Roman tax collectors. He had uh, fishermen and, and folks who worked in agriculture, agrarians. Uh, that indeed deals with politics because you're dealing with commerce and the exchange of supply and demand. So all of these people that he had on his team weren't just folk who went to seminary, uh, rabbi, rabbi school, and, and that was that. No, even Paul himself, uh, while he counted most of it dumb, but that was his own uh, sort of reflection based on the growth that he had um, undergone. But even Paul was a graduate of the University of Tarsus, and he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a member of the Sanhedrin court. He, right, he had all of these things going for him. He was very much so active in the world. Um, and I think that much of his one experience and expertise of all those things informed the position that he took on many things. Mm. I consider often, what if Paul had not experienced and had was not actively participating in those things what kind of writer would he have been? What kind of perspectives or what kind of positions would he had would he have taken if it weren't for those experiences? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if he never sat on the Sanhedrin court, uh, if he never was a graduate of Tarsus, if he never if 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 he never sat at the feet sat at the the, the feet of Gamaliel and learned from him, what would he have to offer? What would he have to give? What would he have to share? Um, so I don't know. I I. I I I have a hard time um, dealing with people who suggest that the church, and again, more specifically, the Black church has no role to play in politics. I mean, yes, the Black church is the oldest Black institution to date in the country. It is not the only uh, 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 at, the, at the current time in which we live, but it is the oldest. And I think to honor that, you have to admit, okay, the church plays a role. And, and I'll take it even one step further than that. When, when in your analogy about Paul, how relatable would the Bible be Absolutely. to us if it was not about real people that were experiencing real problems and real Absolutely. circumstances and real issues and challenges? How relatable would that book be for us if we could not see ourselves in it? Yes, Absolutely. these are two different time periods that we're discussing when we read the word of God, but the people are pretty much the same. Very and, much the same. And, and, and you, 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 you have to be able to see yourself in God's word in order for you to be able to see how, what he did for uh, the woman with the issue of blood is now still relevant for someone who is experiencing the same thing in this day and time. You know, Absolutely. or 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 any or something similar. The Bible would not be a book uh, that's relatable to us if it did not uh, address some of the things that we are experiencing even right now. 
you know, people like to say that it's a, you know, just a, a book of stories and fairy tales and things of that nature. But that you and I both know that is not the case. Uh, you have to be able to look at God's word with a second set of eyes, a, a, a spiritual eyes to be able to discern, you know, what was what was going on and and to to see uh, and understand, uh, you know, the depth and breadth of uh, the context with which, with, with, with which rather the word of God has been written. Um, so, so it's, uh, it's a very, um, a very complex book, but it's one that is again, relatable and, and we should be able to see ourselves in this book and going back to our initial thought about those who are church purists and say, well, you know, church and politics don't intersect I, I I disagree because as yeah. we, as we said, you know, the church has historically been a place where politics has intersected and has been a place where, um, you know, many have looked for justice and freedom and equality. Uh, and, and it's still a place where those ideals and principles are being sought out. It, it, it 100% is. And I think that it should be. I think, you know, when we have conversations of the relevancy of the church, sure, there's a lot of talk about the historical nature um, that the church has with respect to politics and the contributions that it has made to help people live better lives. I know you guys are enjoying my interview with speaker activist, journalist, and minister, my good friend, Jakar Amory, is with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. Uh, we're calling it Iron Sharpens Iron. We've been talking about church and politics and how they intersect in this segment. Uh, but when we come back, guys, we're going to get more into my interview with this great uh, young man. Uh, you don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. We'll be right back. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Vision. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister, Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. 
Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new MichaelNimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new MichaelNimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought provoking working experience. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back, and I know you're enjoying my interview with speaker... Uh, speaker, activist, and minister, my good friend, uh, Jakar Amory, is with us on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're calling it Iron Sharpens Iron because I really indeed believe that he and I are both cut from the same cloth. And, you know, I'm, I'm just enjoying talking about uh, a variety of different topics. In the first segment, we talked about his career, uh, his new job uh, as a, a journalist with the Detroit News. Um, he's doing some phenomenal things, and I know the future for him is bright. Uh, and then in the, this last segment, we chopped it up about church and politics. And we're going to kind of extend that a bit in this last segment, uh, talking about uh, the scripture that he mentioned, watch and pray. And the interesting thing about uh, that scripture, um, you know, not just uh, in, in talking about activism, but God mentioned that uh, he mentioned uh prayer or pray several times, but uh, he ended that, that scripture, I believe, with watch and how important it was to do so. Uh, and, and so in asking that question or, or dealing with that particular scripture, what did God want us to see? What did he want? It, it, what did he what what did he want us to be aware of? Uh, and in the last segment, you you said watch is equivalent to voting uh, or activism of some of some sort or, or, or uh, some regard. And that's where I want to kind of start this particular segment out talking about, because recently here in the city of Detroit, we had a primary and a general election. And um, uh, in this general election, only uh, less than 19 percent of the 502,000 registered voters uh, even voted in this uh, in this election, which is uh, sad. Uh, it's, it's less than a hundred thousand people uh, went to the polls and voted uh, in totality in this municipal election. Um, and I, I want to know, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Why do you think people do not seem to be inspired to vote? Well, I think there are a variety of reasons. Um, I think that one, there, there is a compilation of elements that are sort of contributing to, uh, 
the inspiration or the lack thereof to vote. When you consider, one, the accessibility of voting, when you consider the importance that is placed on voting, when you consider the, I guess, likability of candidates, um, oftentimes, and I think within the last few elections, both locally and nationally, uh, voters have, quite frankly, been faced with this dichotomy of choosing the lesser of two evils mm. and they're not really sure which direction to go. Mm. And so oftentimes people will just gracefully, or I guess more so, I would say more cowardly, just bow out and say, you know what, I'm not going to vote at all. That's not a choice that we, we, we don't have that luxury of not voting. It is imperative. It is not only our civic duty, but it should be our personal I guess, conviction. We need to put people in office that are ultimately going to represent us because otherwise, if and when we don't show up to the polls, we don't have any, we don't have one, a reason or any room to make an excuse or to talk or, or, or to give any pushback. No, you didn't even show up to the polls. So how can you say something? How can you script? It, it's, it's, it's critiquing without credential. Mm. You didn't show up to the polls. What makes you think that you can say something about the times in which we live and the people that you should have helped put in office? So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 there are a segment of folks who just won't go. But again, like I mentioned previously, there are also elements like the accessibility of voting. Um, and when you think about things like voter suppression, when you think about things like gerrymandering, when you think about things like redistricting, um, it, it, it limits the accessibility. It limits the effect of votes, particularly from specific demographics uh, based upon where people live, how many people are in that area, what those people look like, so on and so forth. So I don't know, there, there, there is a litany of things. Um, I believe Dr. Dr. Uh, Carol Anderson speaks about it in her book, uh, One Person, No Vote. Mm. She talks about how voter suppression is destroying the democracy and how there is there is this innate sort of woven in politic and drive initiative even from the Republican Party to accomplish just that suppressing the vote um, and in doing so like I mentioned gerrymandering uh, uh, redistricting uh, uh, maps so on and so forth so there I think there are a variety of reasons. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's sad though, because if there ever was a time that people need to show up to the polls, the time is now. And I totally agree with you. And just thinking back to, uh, the November election, uh, November, 2020, where, uh, you know, a hundred and, uh, 25 million people out there about may have been more than that. Uh, uh, turned out to the polls to vote. And, um, no, actually it was more than that. It was, it was more than a hundred because 75 million Republicans voted for Donald Trump to get a second term in office and he lost. So there was, uh, I think 150 million, uh, uh, individuals that actually went to the polls and the, and this was the largest turnout in presidential politics from what yes. I understand. Uh, and, and you, you, you find here that Republicans, as you say, 
are using voter suppression as their 21st century weapon to keep people from being able to vote and exercise their civic duty and right uh, to to um, to vote. And it's it's um, it's really, really uh, uh, it's really sad to see this happen. And, you know, uh, thinking back to that time back in November and 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 the lies that have been perpetuated as a result of, um, you know, Trump losing and 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 there are so many people that still believe that he won and still believe that he is the president or should be the president that Biden in some way uh, uh, stole the race from him. <laughs> it's, it is ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that, um, that, that, that we should somehow um, be afraid to vote. Some people actually have a fear now because of the, the, the lies that have been told and, and, and the things that the Republican Party are putting out there about voter suppression and trying to change the laws in many of the southern states uh, so that black people cannot vote. Um, there are people that are afraid to go to the polls and vote. That's why you've seen a rise in absentee voting, not just because of COVID, but they're not they feel like the polls and precincts are not safe for them to go and vote. Um, so I agree that it, it, there's a number of different reasons why people are not voting. Uh, but voter apathy has been a problem and feels like it always will be a problem. Uh, but I want to say this and I'll give it shoot it back to you. Shouts out to people like Latasha Brown and, Stacey Abrams, uh, who are have taken up the cause of voting, of voter rights and uh, and equality and justice in voting, uh, you know, because had it not been for uh, Stacey Abrams, you know, Reverend uh, Warnock and uh, uh, the other gentleman in, in Georgia, can't, his name escapes me at the moment, uh, would not have won in that runoff. Uh, back in January of this year. Uh, so, you know, there, therein lies the power of voting. There is a power there that, that, that the Republicans see, and they do not want to see that power taken away. They do not want to see what happened in November happen again. And that's why they're working so hard to restrict people's right to vote. Absolutely. hundred percent. And when you have, leaders of 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 a specific party who sort of perpetuate this propaganda uh i don't know if you've seen just a few days ago um i believe it was on mm, i don't remember the exact date but it was literally just a few days ago where there was an article printed out from the detroit news um by one of our reporters and Donald Trump, it appeared as if he printed out the article and signed it, wrote a little message, edited the piece that was originally published in the Detroit News, signed it, left a little message, and then forwarded it it to uh, Representative Maddock, who I believe is running 
uh, to be the next uh, state house GOP leader. Mm. And um, Donald Trump endorsed him and basically, you know, told him, I think his direct words were, I'm, uh, I, I'm with you and, and you have my support all the way. And uh, in the piece, when you scroll down and when you go down a few paragraphs, you'll see where Donald Trump actually, uh, where the, the piece speaks to him and his, his unproven claims of the election being taken from him and rigged from him. Uh, and so that's literally what he did. He crossed out, um, he crossed out the UN and unproven and basically was suggesting that it was proven. And then he parenthetically sort of inserted that the election was rigged instead of stolen, uh, a rigged rather rigged and stolen. And so, you know, again, when you have these, when you have leaders of political parties like this and Donald Trump is the most powerful man in the Republican party right now, uh, who are, actively pushing these ideals one and then two mischaracterizing the news media as fake news so that when certain claims are uh, proven to be false and when certain um uh sort of positions are 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 brought to the forefront either things that have been compromised uh, uh them perhaps lying about a record or whatever have you it's oh it's fake news and so when the general public sees these things, I believe they get discouraged. It's like, I don't want to participate in this. This is too much. I would rather just wash my hands clean and walk away. Mm. And so, you know, as a result, you have this, this, this voter apathy, this voter fatigue where people are just like, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So why not just leave it alone and go on about my business? But the problem that is uh, you can leave it alone if you want, but the second you walk away, it won't leave you alone. Because again, these are people who are affecting our lives on a daily basis. And ultimately, if we do not put the right people in office, then the policies that they put in place are going to affect us into perpetuity, not just us, but our children and their children and so on and so forth. And so now you see where there is a national attempt um, and even locally where there is an attempt to gut the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Um, Again, these (laughs) it's, it's incredible, man, because people think that, oh, well, this stuff was taken care of. This stuff was done. We don't have to worry about it anymore. No, there are people in office right now who are actively doing the work to untie, to undo, and to ultimately take us right back to square one. Mm -hmm. But if we are not participatory in the electorate process, they'll be successful. And then you'll wonder why you cannot vote. You'll wonder why, um, I don't know, if you're familiar, but just recently, the Republicans and the legislator were moving towards heightening the voter ID laws to reflect and to mirror those in the state of Georgia. Mm. So they, 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 they were arguing and, and trying to compel Michiganders. This is why we need more stricter voter ID laws. And I mean, all of this stuff, again, it, 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 it's fant- it's 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 so much 
it's so similar to the 60s, the 50s. And it's like, we're still having this conversation. We're still fighting for the right to vote as citizens. It's incredulous, man. It's incredulous. I know, I know, guys, you have enjoyed my interview with this dynamic young man, uh, Jakar Amory, speaker, journalist, minister, activist. So happy to have him on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show, man. I'm so proud of you. So happy to, again, be able to chop it up with you this week. Uh, best of uh, luck to you. Uh, blessings to you, uh, um, more importantly, in all that you do. Uh, I know for you, the best is definitely yet to come. Man, as I said before, I say again, I, I, I admired you when I was a child, and that admiration is still in place. Uh, I am so appreciative for the contribution that, and, and I would say contributions, plural, uh, that you have made to me and to my ministry and ultimately to my professional career. I'm very, very appreciative even for this opportunity, man, to sit down and to chop it up. It's always good. Um, when you can engage in meaningful dialogue, generative conversation, things that not only make you think, but that also make you reflect. And then towards the end, you can celebrate. Right. Um, as we did. So I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, man. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, you, you're doing it. And, and just as folks know who the Spartans is, the people know who Mike Nimmons is. All right. <laughs> God say to Abraham, I'll make your name great. Man. And and clearly he is doing the same thing for you. So big ups to you, man. Much love. Thank you so much, guys. This is the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. And Professor Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the Black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be. And I think Malcolm is is a much more um, brilliant and 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 um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a black America statesman too. He's going to the Middle East, he's going to Africa, um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So. I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? 
told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. What's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Of this week's Thanksgiving edition, this week's thought is entitled, I'm Thankful. The psalmist David offers us instructions on what our responsibility is to the God that consistently does so much for us as his children. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Thankfulness is the posture and demeanor that every child of God should have for all of the things that the Lord has done for us. Someone once said that every time I think, I've got to thank. That's just how impactful God has been in all of our lives, whether we choose to recognize it or not. In a year where COVID has seemed to run rampant and has taken the lives of so many and infected many more, if you're still here and still breathing, you have something to be thankful for. A year filled with tumultuous ups and downs, funerals and family hours, restless and sleepless nights. But even in the midst of all of this, God has still been good to us. His goodness far exceeds our thoughts and our expectations. It even transcends our cognitive recognition of it because his goodness is realized when we see it and even when we don't have the benefit of seeing it. He still is good and for that we're thankful. The depth and breadth of his goodness cannot be seen with our natural eyes. There are times when he is moving on our behalf and we don't even know it. There are times when he is protecting us and we can't even see the danger. There are times when he's making ways and all we see is the obstacle. But even in those times and in those moments, he's still good and I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for my ups as well as my downs. And I'm thankful for my wins as well as my losses. I'm thankful for the highs as well as the lows. Thankful for the triumphs as well as the tragedies. Because even in those bad days or during those rough times, I'm learning to see his goodness. You see, the true mark of a child of God is when they can see God's goodness not just on a good day, but even on a bad one. When they can thank him even in the midst of rough times. No, that's not insane. That's not a difficult task because when you're able to see his goodness during rough times, then you can truly see him for who he is. He's more than a provider. He's a sustainer. He's more than a conqueror. He's a keeper. He's more than a healer. He's a deliverer. He's more than a protector. He's a redeemer. And for all of these reasons and a million more, I'm thankful. Thanksgiving to be thankful, but of course, we take this time especially to thank God for all that he's done. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Again, shouts out to my good friend, journalist, speaker, and minister, Jakar Amory, for being with us on the Thanksgiving edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're calling it Iron Sharpens Iron. And of course, we talked about voting. We talked about his career. We talked church and politics and a lot more. And we pray God's blessings upon you, man. And we know for you, the best is definitely yet to come. And thank you for listening and tuning in to this week's Thanksgiving edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Again, we wish everybody who tuned in a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. Didn't eat too much. Uh, <laughs> and again, we've got Christmas coming up as well. So got a lot of things uh, to look forward to before the end of this year. But thank you so much for taking a few minutes to be with us on the Thanksgiving edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Be sure and tune in next week. We're going to have another great show in store for you. Working on some good interviews and some more topics that we can discuss with you as well. So stay tuned for all of that. But always remember, until next time, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.